Hello, I'm Emma Louise Coffey, and you're welcome to the Dairy Edge, the Chagas Dairy Podcast. We're bringing you the latest information, insights, and opinion to improve dairy farm performance. Coming into March, it is time to assess February grazing and look forward to the remainder of the first rotation. Dairy farmer Mike Birmingham joins us to explain how he achieved 30% grazed in the last month despite some difficult weather conditions and his plans to maintain high levels of grazed grass in the diet for the month ahead. Things have gone fairly good, to be honest. Um, uh, as of last Monday, there, the, the, around the 1st of March, we had 32% of the farm grazed. Um, the calving has gone well enough. We have about just over 70% of the cows calved. Now, we had a very busy uh, three weeks. Um, it's, uh, we were very busy for three weeks, let's say, and it's after slowing down now, obviously. And, yeah, it went very well now. Uh, cow health was good. Uh, we had two cases of milk fever. Um, every, uh, besides that, everything else went pretty good. Calf health was good. Uh, we were just managing to get the cows out 90% of the time to 95% of the time, I'd say. Um, so, yeah, we're really happy with the spring. You know. Yeah, and, and I suppose you, you've hit that first milestone, the 30% grazed um, by the 1st of March. And look, by and large, weather has been good, you know, a super January and, yeah. and into early February. Now, it did get difficult and there was stormy weather and some snow, um, you know, maybe about 10 days ago. Yes. So how did you negotiate that difficult weather, Mike? Yeah, well, look, I, I'll tell you, um, like you said there at the start, we, we had a, a super Start to the grazing season. We actually managed to graze uh, one or two very wet fields on the first couple on the first week or two. Uh, after that, then let's say the weather got it turned broken, so we did a lot of on-off grazing. Um, the on-off grazing a bit tr- a bit tricky to get the silage right at night was the only issue we had. To be honest, um, look, we we let the let's say. Let's say we'll take it from the morning and um, we'd milk the cows there at seven, half seven. Uh, by the time we'd have all the jobs done and the colostrum cows milked and new calves fed and everything, it could be 10 o'clock, maybe quarter past 10. Uh, we'd make the cows, the milking herd would be just held in the yard for a bit. Uh, we'd make the decision then whether we'd go out or not. Um, most 99% of the time we did go out because... Uh, the cows would be nearly breaking down the gate to get out. So uh, we'd let the cows out. And as, l- as long as it stayed dry, um, we'd let the cows out, let's say. They'd stay out until half tr- till three o'clock or half past three. If it was broken, when they'd start grazing, let's say it could, stay, it could be broken. If it started raining around 12 o'clock and the cows started coming to the ditch, we'd bring the cows in at 12 o'clock. But normally we'd try and leave them out till three or half three. Uh, we'd milk again then in the evening, get them back out again till about nine o'clock, let's say, and bring them in then and give them silage. Um, the only issue we had with the silage was we probably, at the start, we were giving them way too much silage and they they weren't as sharp as they should be going out, let's say. Do you know, that's why we held them in the yard so long in the morning, let's say. We didn't let them out after milking. We just said we'd give them a little bit of an edge to, to, to get out and get grazing. And and Mike, you know, we, we hear every year, you know, one of the ways of getting out when weather is difficult is on off grazing. And it is something that Chagas would promote. But in practice, some farmers would say 
oh, you know, I, I, I am going out in the middle of the day. So you, you talk around 12 o'clock and then also you're going out at nine o'clock at night to bring in cows. And, you know, some farmers are more inclined to just leave them in the shed and say the weather will settle down. We'll get them out maybe next week. So, you know, why why would you push getting out for for those two grazing bouts during the day? Well, uh, I suppose to be honest, um, I suppose the way I look at it is um, it's still nearly easier. It's still nearly easier to let them out into like it only takes me half an hour maybe to put up the reel and let them out. But like Emma Louise, if, if I don't let them out, I have to like the day of the snow, for instance, now I kept the cows in for the whole day. So so um you have to go in, let's say you milk your cows, you clean your cubicles, you line your cubicles, you have to go loading out silage. Uh that's just the work side of it. Uh, you have to do all that again in the evening, push in the silage. Whereas I can just open the gap. Uh, I can just open the gate, let the cows out, let them have a graze. Uh, I can turn them back in again then a couple of hours afterwards. There's no panic on getting the silage out or getting the lining done and all this crack done. I love that done at my ease. Um, instead of doing it twice a day, I, I only have to do it once a day. Do you know, so it just makes my life a bit. I know it. I know it sounds. It so it doesn't sound right. Let's say, but it, it's a bit. It's just easier. Let them out. To be honest, and uh, I know people will be saying, "Oh, you're doing too much damage and all that." But you can. The da- the damage isn't. We do, we don't find we're over. Like we have, you have to. I suppose you have to go out and walk your farm and see where's the handiest place to let them. So it's it's we know it's going to rain tonight. Let's say for instance, so. Where are we going to put the cows that it's going to be handy to get them back in again, that they won't do much travelling? You know, like last night, for instance, now we, we left in the cows um, because we are, we left them out for an hour or two and we brought them back in again. But we put them in a place that it wasn't too bad to let them in. It wasn't a big job. Like when, when they hear the quiet coming, to the, they'll come up to the gap. You open the gap and they'll walk away in at their ease. You know, it's it's not a big deal. You have them very well trained, Mike. Oh, I don't know you know they, they do they come in and it's it's easier you know but it's just a bit it just i think it just takes a bit of the pressure off the you know the intense workload in the yard every day if they're out and you don't have the cost of the silage and you don't have the cost of the story like i i'm not even i'm not even going to get into but it's always oh, worth 270 i don't think of that i think it's it's just making my life that bit easier that they're getting out they're clean or being milked. They are less mastitis. Um, we don't need one case of mastitis in a cow so far this year. Um, it's just it just takes the strain off you. Like let's say you know maybe it doesn't sound right now, but I I t- personally I think it does. And all it is really is maybe like we haven't got the farm set up perfect for on off graze, and we'll say yes, but like. Like I would say to people now, and I'm, I'm going to do it this year myself, is I'm watching where I'm putting them in and out. And can I put a gap there? Do you know, make a gap there. Like I've knocked a few holes through ditches now so that they can come out onto road, you know, onto farm roadways, let's say. Just that that's another little corner they can go into without making too much of a mess. Do you know what I mean? 
And I totally hear you, Mike, and I think it does make a lot of sense. And, you know, what you're talking about is you're spreading the workload. Yeah. With things like putting out the bit of silage yeah. and scraping and lime cubicles. You're going to do that throughout the day as opposed to having it done by nine o'clock in the morning exactly. in order to have the cows back in exactly. the shed. Exactly. That's, that's my point, yeah. Exactly. I think another um, interesting point you, you made there at the start you know, letting, um, identifying paddocks that you would define as wet and given the mild uh, winter we've had that you actually had the ability to graze them early. And, you know, often you're leaving them on the long finger and if a wet uh, week comes in early March, you're kind of snookered and you're, you you can't get to them. So that that's a really, really interesting point. Looking, I guess, um, to the next month. So, you know, we're here now in early March and, you know, talk through your plan for the remainder of the first rotation, Mike. You know, what does the plan look like? Right. I, I, I suppose um, I, I've got the 30% graze now, OK? Um, so that'll, that'll feed the cows for the first couple of days. That'll feed the cows for the start of the second round, OK? So the, the plan is now, uh, to walk the farm, we'll have to walk the farm religiously every week from now on. Let's say once a week, um, because what we we've all let's say on the first of March now we've farm cover of a thousand. Okay, so we we don't want to let the farm cover drop under six hundred because we're north facing, we're high up. It, it is cold, or let's say it's a bit slower to grow. So we we have to watch what grass we have. So. What we will do is we'll walk the farm once a week. We won't let the cover drop more than 70 per week, let's say. So next week now we'll be down to 930, okay? So an, another thing we have to watch is what's coming back on the first paddock. So let's say we take Patrick's Day, for instance. We need to have about 750 around Patrick's Day on our first on our first graze paddocks because, look, there'll be another... 20 days before they'll be needed for the second round and you'll probably be growing maybe mid-20s to to 30 let's say so that'll give you another 600 hopefully so that'll give you up around the 1300 to stack the second round so that's that's very important i suppose that we have enough of grass to stack you know there's enough of grass after growing back to stack the second round and then another point is around patrick's day not to have the farm cover drop below 800 because if we're if we're gone let's say if we're at 750 for 700 we've only another 100 left for the the next two weeks you know for three weeks nearly at that stage so we there are two important things we we're kind of gone away now from the i know the spring rotation panel would say you need to graze uh another 30 percent by patrick's day and the remaining 40 percent for the rest of the second round but what we found has happened to us is when we do that let's say it works very well but we have no grass that we have we've left our farm cover run down too low like one or two years i've left it dropped to under 400 and we've no grass to start the second round so that meant the month of april was very heavy supplementation in the death stage so and I think that's a, a, you know, a proactive tip nearly, Mike, for other farmers. You know, it's your your you have your spring rotation planner. Um, but I suppose that in combination with the farm cover is is really what what's important for you. 
and like say based on that you know target that you have you're at a thousand of a farm cover now and and you're looking at a, a drop of 70 uh, kilograms dry matter in terms of farm cover per week what will the diet look like in the cows in the month of march i, I suppose to be honest Emma louise the, the cows are on four kilos of rash of nuts at the moment okay um what we are going to do is uh, we'll measure the grass weekly, and uh, what I'm going to do is just top them up. We have about we have about seventy or eighty good bales of high quality silage in the yard, and I'm normally I go up to five or six kilos of ration, but the way the price of ration is at the moment, and I have these high quality bales, like bales don't carry over as you know they could get damaged over. So I'm going to use these. I don't know, am I right or wrong now to be doing this, but I'm going to feed, I'm going to give the cows access to silage while they'll be milked just to fill them up a small bit, let's say, you know, just to put in that extra kilo a day or two kilos of of feed a day, let's say. Like 50 of my cows can eat, 50 or 60 of the cows can eat silage at the one time. The rest of them will be queuing up to be milked. They'll go out and eat grass. And let's say the last couple of rounds will be more or less full of silage. So it, it should... You know, it should balance itself out that way, hopefully, without having to put in too much effort into it, we would say. And it's an interesting point that you make, you know, in previous years where you haven't kept an eye on farm cover and yeah. you dipped to that 400, you know, you really, really need grass in April yes. when you are preparing cows for breeding. So I suppose this is a management tool to ensure that you don't run short at that time. Exactly, exactly. That's the main that's the main thing is that we don't that we have plenty of grass like we don't want to really be putting in silage in April and we don't really want to be um too having the cows too tight. They need a good, you know, they need to be building like realistically speaking, at the end of March we want to be able to take the strip wire away from the cows. And we want them at full flow then like, you know, we want to have enough of grass on the farm that we can take out the strip wire and give them 36 hour grazings you know that they'll they'll be fully fed you know without 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 having to put in silage then you know well hopefully now the weather will play ball at me too like you know absolutely and i suppose there's no guaranteeing that of course no no um Mike, you also mentioned that you had two cases of milk fever yes. and, and a case of mastitis yes. um this spring, um, I suppose we, we would have spoken uh, very recently with the uh, Movet, um, Eamon O'Connell, and he talked about significant levels of milk fever on farms and really early on, which is uncharacteristic of milk fever. But I, I suppose, you know, you're obviously not experiencing major ailments on the farm in February. So I, I, what do you put that down Look, to? Not, to be honest, Emma Louise, not this year, but like... Um Two years ago, we, we had an awful outbreak of milk fever and even we had a fair bit of it as well last year. But like um, what we what we put, like I, I'd say we could have out of 100 cows, we could have had 40 clinical cases of mastitis, or of, not mastitis, but milk fever um, two years ago. You know, like the vet was nearly, uh, the vet was nearly just coming on his own at this at that stage, let's say, you know. Um, but uh, the past two years now, what we've done is we've um, condition scored the cows at drying off. And the March calvers got another condition scored in, in late January. And what we're doing is we're feeding the cows straw once a week. Um, at the moment now, I've, I've switched to twice a week for the straw feeding because I feel the cows are getting a bit, little bit too heavy fat again. Let's say they've, they've too much flesh up in them. So we're feeding straw now twice a week. Um 
where we're kind of restricting the si- the silage is good good enough quality. Um, so we're rest- we're restricting the silage to an extent. Let's say we'd we we wouldn't worry about from not having silage. All my cow, I suppose we're lucky in a sense that all the cows. Let's say I have to make this point: is all the cows can eat silage together. So when we feed the cows, they can all come up and eat together. So they're all taking in what they need. So we don't worry too much about them. Let's say we'd feed them there before milking at three o'clock in the evening. Um, we put out the silage from, and when let's say the following morning at seven o'clock, there might only be a small bit of silage be pushed in. We push that in, but we won't feed them again until three o'clock. Let's say they'll be left, they'll be left without uh, for a couple of hours anyway. You know, so it's and it's just really to keep the cows a bit fitter. We'll call it. You know, they're they're they were getting too fat with us all the time. Another thing we did was. Um, in the December condition sport, like we picked out any very thin cows and we gave them good quality silage and we fed them and they came on lovely. And the very heavy over condition, the condition score fours, we fed them hay. It was about five or six of them. And we fed them hay for the winter to try and knock the bit of flesh off. And we didn't, to be honest, when we condition scored them again, we didn't knock much off them, to be honest. But they just naturally had it, you know. But um, that's... It's, um, it's an interesting, it's an interesting comment, Mike. And I think it's... Um, it's a consequence of uh, breeding genetics, uh, you know, good genetics in herds. Um, you know, higher EBI animals tend to have a higher body condition score. They do actually, and, to be and, honest, and yes. then you know, naturally cows tend to put on condition in later lactation. So I suppose that that proactive step you're talking about doing the uh, dry off uh, body condition score is probably preventing a lot of that. Um, I suppose problem and workload in the springtime. It is, and another point we did was um, we did a mineral analysis on the silage as well, and it, you know it wasn't the key, it wasn't the issue, but like before in our milk fever about two years ago, it was probably three or four things together. Like the key might have been we it was within the limits, but it was at the higher end of the limits. We'll say the cows were too heavy. They were crossbred cows. They were more susceptible to it. You know, there was probably three or four small things, but when they all accumulated together, it, it gave a, a big break. You know, let's say you had a lot of cases then, let's say, you know, you had a lot of cases then, whereas I suppose we're managing the diet a bit better now. You know, like two years ago, we'd have been up, we, first thing we'd have done was fed the cows because they hadn't silage in front of them, let's say, but now we're, we're kind of, we're trying to, I suppose there was more training in me than the cows. Like the cows don't ever actually roar or anything that they don't have silage in front of them or, you know, they're quite contented, to be honest, you know. Yeah, just reprogramming your, yourself. Yeah, myself Mike. more than the cows, to be honest, you know. And if we step back, Mike, and, you know, away from spring and look at the overall grazing picture uh, for the year, um, what are your targets that you're going to set yourself for 2022? Um, and, you know, are there any tweaks that you're going to make from experience in last year's grazing season or the grazing season of 2020? Yeah, we, we, we are actually, uh, Emma Louise, what, what, what we've decided to do, I suppose, um, normally we'd, we'd, we'd stock up the farm at four cows to the hectare, right? And uh, for, the, for the main grazing season from, let's say, mid-April to... To the start of to the start of August or the fifteenth of August, we'd, we'd stock up the farm at four cows to the hectare. But uh, that would set the demand. Let's say with two kilos of nuts at seventy two. So we're, we're finding that we're 
we're constantly putting in extra feed. We're running out of grass. We're putting in extra feed. We're up to four kilos. We're let's say you could say on average we were probably feeding three or four kilos throughout the summer, which was very, very well. It will be very expensive this year, we say. So what we've decided to do this year now is drop back the stocking rate a bit and set the demand at sixty five. So. 65 is kind of the average what they would say you grow in more pack for the entire grazing season so that's what we're going that's what we're going to do so that we we'll, we'll end up hopefully feeding less meal and as well as that then um we're part of the clover study inside more pack where we're over sowing uh portions of the farm with clover so uh, we'll be oversawing about 20% of the, we've we did 30% last year and this year we must oversaw about 20% so that 20% needs to be treated like a, a brand new reseed we'll call it so it needs to be grazed at 1000 to 1100 all the time and with a reduced nitrogen rate as well obviously and um for that reason as well we need to keep, drop the we need to drop the stocking rate slightly so that we can encourage the new clovers to, to, to grow let's say and that we'll be able to get in around it faster and we'll have a bit more grass in the other paddocks let's say to do that I, I don't know am I explaining myself right in that yeah ab- absolutely but give us a little bit more detail on that considering you've done it last year so last year you oversowed 30% of the farm with white with white clover and what you're saying is you're doing another 20% this year but you're treating it like a brand new reseed. Tell us a little bit more about that, Mike. Yeah. So, so last year, what we did was uh, we had uh, we 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 had got a t- uh, seed for thirty percent of the farm. I also uh, did a proper reseed. Let's say I reseeded fifteen percent of the pack farm last year, and that got two kilos of of white clover as well. Um. So, uh, the the to be honest, if you want clover, the gold standard is a proper reseed and two kilos and and manage it correct and manage it correctly for the rest of the year but to try and promote to try and get more clover onto the farm everyone will probably have to do a bit of over sowing so we did we did 30% now last year and it was very it was very tricky to manage the 30% uh it was all set into one space for week let's say and it was very tricky to to manage because that meant you had to have 30% of your farm, which probably was 60% of your grazing platform to be grazed at a thousand. So you had to, you were constantly watch, trying not to let that get too strong and graze it. And as well as that, then um, we've reduced our chemical nitrogen, let's say on that, we probably, instead of spreading 20 units around, we were on 14 units around. Now, they would say that you only need to do that for probably two or three rounds only go at the lower rate of nitrogen but we continued with the lower rate of nitrogen uh till the end of the season because we felt that to give the clover every every chance of growing that uh the less nitrogen we were putting on the less um competition the grass you know it had less competition from the grass so um yeah so this year now um the, the trial is they're they're cutting the back a bit they're doing 20 percent of the farm and we will we won't oversaw the the twenty percent together. We'll probably do it over the space of a month. That'll give us a chance, let's say, that we don't have to, you know, you might only have one paddock a week that you have to watch in. Do you know that will be at a lower cover? So and uh obviously last year's uh clover paddocks we set will be on a lower rate of nitrogen, we'll be on 
maybe 10 to 12 maybe 10 to 12 units is what I'm thinking in my own head of using on those paddocks to try and reduce the, the chemical nitrogen and let's say more, more use of soil water if it gets soil water or some some let's say the the properly reseeded paddocks last year that 15 acres is going to get soil water for the rest of the season hopefully we'll try and avoid using we'll use chemical in to the correct level up to the start of May, let's say we'll 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 put out our sixty units now by by early April, and we'll, we might give it another twenty units after that. But after that, then it'll be it'll be maybe ten units for the rest of the season. Hopefully, hopefully. I suppose you're going to um, look to your nitrogen to start fixing um, to, to, to do some of the work in growing the grass. I think that's a really interesting uh, comment that you make. And I suppose, as you say, that 30 percent over sowing represents a high proportion of your grazing platform. And if you know, if you're targeting that amount of your ground at a thousand kilograms of a pre-grazing, you know, you're effectively trying to balance two grass wedges for one herd of cows. So I, I can imagine um, it, it was a challenge and that idea of targeting 20% this year but splitting it up will will hopefully make life a whole lot easier for you Mike hopefully anyway you know we, we it, it should too to be honest and uh, I, I suppose if look if I wasn't part of the trial um, I would I would I suppose the way I have it in my own head now and this is only myself talking is that I would let's say everyone will probably should be targeting a 10% receipt, right? And you put in your two kilos of clover with that and, and treat that right. But I'd also be targeting another 10% of the farm with it for oversawing. And I, I think if you did that, let's say 10% of the farm, obviously now your P and K and your lime status must be very good now, or else, like if you don't have your lime correct or your P's and K is correct, I think you're probably wasting your time, to be honest. Um, but if you did 10% every year, which your 10% receding, I think it'd be a great job, to be honest, to get clover onto farms and, you know. This has been a, a great opportunity to catch up, Mike, and talk about, as I say, the first milestone of the first rotation Um, look, when we look to the 1st of March. And, you know, it, it hasn't been without its challenges, particularly in the second half of February. So, you know, you, like many other farmers, need to be commended for, you know, the efforts in on-off grazing and, you know, going out in the dark at, at nine o'clock at night to bring in cows. Um, I suppose also some really interesting tips from you in particular. This is the time now to really keep an eye on what's coming back in terms of paddocks grazed and that and that um the farm cover as well as percentages grazed um you know your weekly walk is really going to support that and it'll give you an idea of where the deficits are going to come um also i think you know your your idea of managing body condition scores throughout the um, the dry period is something that is going to relieve work and problems that will arise in the spring so hugely uh, insightful conversation thank you Mike no bother I'm Louise thanks for having me on that's it for this week's episode of the Dairy Edge podcast and my thanks to Mike Birmingham for joining me on this week's show don't forget to rate review and subscribe to the podcast you can listen on Apple and Google Podcasts as well as Spotify. And for more information, go to the Chagas website at chagas.ie. I'm Emma Louise Coffey and join me next time for your Dairy Edge.